Hello and welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. In today's episode, you're getting a super practical approach to preventing burnout in your training by bettering your sleep and recovery so that you can train for the long haul and see more progress in your lifts and in your life. So stay tuned. Her True Strength Podcast is your faith-based approach to discovering how to build your strongest body yet. You'll learn how to strengthen your mind, body, and spirit all through the lens of the gospel. I'm your host, Laura Lindahl, follower of Jesus, lifter of weights, and adventure enthusiast. And I empower faith-based women to build strong bodies from the inside out so they can confidently impact the world with strength and grace. Welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. Hello and welcome, guys. I am Coach Laura Lindahl. You are who you are, and this is the Her True Strength Podcast. If you're new around here, then I just want to show you a special welcome to the gang. I want to thank you for tuning in. And if this isn't your first time tuning in, I just got to say, I appreciate you. You guys are why I'm here and what helped me keep making an impact on the world with bits of strength and grace, which, as you well know, is what we're all about here. So I decided to choose today's topic after having a few conversations with my clients who are experiencing some burnout symptoms. And we'll cover all of these today, so I don't want to spoil it for you by telling you what those are. But long story short, we did a little investigating to see what might be the source of burnout and the common denominator of all of them was a very clear lack of sleep, sleep quality and sleep quantity. And so I thought to myself, how many other women do you think might be struggling with this same exact thing? And wouldn't it be great to help them fine tune things in their life so that if they are experiencing burnout or overtraining, that you can help a sister out? And if they aren't, then why the heck not prevent them from getting to that point? So if you fall into either one of these categories or are interested in becoming the student of your body for better training and health, then you're in the right spot. Now, today's podcast is not for you if you think that you already know all there is to know about sleep and overtraining, because if you think that you already know everything, well, I can't really do much for you but tell you this. The more you know, the more you believe that you know nothing. In fact, the longer I've been a coach, the more humbled I am that I literally learn something new every day about my body, about the human body, about anatomy and physiology. And with over 10 years of training experience in a degree with a few certifications to boot, I'm still surprised at how much I'm learning and just humbled by it. Because what we know isn't as important as what we do with that knowledge. And in the world today where Google is at our fingertips and we can seem to gather knowledge extremely easily, we're bombarded with more knowledge now ever than before. And it's really easy to become numb to things that we've heard before, especially if you've been in the health and fitness industry for any time. But how many things do you know that are right to do, but you don't actually do them? For example, we all know that fear is a terrible advisor. I think most of us would agree to that, that fear doesn't exactly move us towards faith. But how often do we make decisions based on fear of man throughout the day, choosing not to wear something that someone might judge us for or 
choosing not to say something or choosing to say something different rather than the truth. We do this all the time, right? There's a huge difference between knowing and doing. And with your permission, I'd like to ask you any preconceived notions that you already have about sleep or overtraining and to approach this podcast like a student, curious and eager to apply, quick to ask questions. This is that student approach. Now, before we dive in, as always, I think it's really important that we lay some ground rules and talk about why sleep is important, especially for women. Now, I don't really need to tell you that sleep is important. I think most of us would agree that that's true. Since we've been kids, we're told, go to sleep, right? Go to bed on time. But you might need some reminder as to why sleep is important. Because in the day-to-day, if we're being honest with ourselves, and I always hope that you are, sleep is one of those things that we have a pretty light grip on. Am I right? Like how easy is it to stay up a little bit later than you would like and scroll on your phone, catch some Netflix show or browse your Facebook feed, right? It's pretty easy to do this. In fact, it's pretty easy for us to say, yeah, I can stay up a little bit later tonight. But what you might not realize in that moment is that you're making a trade, a trade that has consequences that you may not even be aware of. And that's because a lot of women make the mistake of vastly underestimating the power of sleep and the influence that sleep has on their health. In fact, it's actually while you're sleeping that your body is doing some of its most important work. It's consolidating your memories from the day, taking those small little moments that you didn't think that you'd remember five days from now, and it's remembering them, it's consolidating them or creating memories. It's also building and repairing muscle. So after our tough workout, your body is actually repairing that muscle and building up stronger while you sleep. And it's also balancing your hormones. During the sleep cycle is when our body tends to balance out our hormones by producing some and secreting others to keep a balance with that homeostasis for our body. And it's even enhancing our immunity. So it's no wonder one, while we sleep, if our sleep quality or quantity decreases, we're most at risk for infections, injury, sickness, fatigue, and hormone imbalance, right? Not to mention not being able to build the muscle that we want, right? If we're cutting down the time clock of the builders who are trying to build the muscle, they just can't do it. So I want to tell you guys a story of when I was in college. Being an Enneagram 3 and highly overachiever, I was taking 21 credits, working two jobs, and juggling a long-distance relationship with my now husband. I was studying exercise science and could probably at the time just rattle off every single hormone change that was happening in the sequence of while you sleep. I could explain REM sleep, all the hormones that are changing, but every night I would stay up until two or three o'clock in the morning studying my brains out, wake up at 6 a.m. and do it all over again the next day. And it didn't take long, as you can guess, before it started to catch up with my body. I had knee pain after my long-distance runs, my back hurt from sitting all day at a desk, and I was honestly a borderline insomniac. I, when Even when I went to sleep, I was wide awake. My mind was just on overdrive. And to be honest, it wasn't until I got mono and was forced to stop everything that my body finally got the rest it had been longing for all along. And I tell you this story to share my mistake, number one, so that you don't do it to yourself either, but to allow you to know that I had let my idol of popularity, knowledge, money, and control take over my schedule. 
I said way too many yeses and not enough no's, and my body ended up paying the price. Now, did I recover? Yes. But did that mono set me back quite a few weeks? Yes. And I didn't want to sleep because I believed I had honestly better things to do. And boy, was I wrong. You see, sleep is your body's way of recharging. And if you let the battery die, the consequence is a black screen. The body that isn't responsive, that's overstressed, it's poorly equipped to handle the demands of the day, and highly susceptible to sickness, like mono in my instance. So while you may be aware of these things, here are some things that are happening inside that body that you may not know are happening when you sleep. When we deprive our body of sleep chronically, meaning for periods of weeks, months, maybe years at a time, our sleep habits have developed a change in our body. Our body begins to adapt to stay in what we would call the stress state. And in that stress state, it holds our stress hormones in higher production rates, or it creates more of them. Hormones like cortisol, which makes your body resistant to losing fat or building muscle. Another hormone called ghrelin, which is a hormone that acts as an appetite stimulant. And even hormones that affect our glucose tolerance or our body's ability to use the fuel that we eat during the day as energy. And the crazy thing is that research has found these changes not in people who are sleep-deprived, as in are getting less than four hours a night, but participants who are described as chronic partial sleep loss, which is anything less than seven hours a night. Isn't that crazy? So it's no wonder why so many women struggle to have energy, build muscle, lose fat, and see results from their training. And here's the sad thing. Because they're not seeing the results that they want, they often do one of two things. Either they give up, try something different, even though what they were doing wasn't necessarily the problem, which breaks my heart, or B, they ramp up their training. They try to do more of the same. They start doing Orange Theory five times a week instead of four. Maybe they try to run longer distances or push their body even harder in their training. They add weight because they think that the weight is the problem. They're not lifting heavy enough. The reality is their body isn't recovering sufficiently from the training stimulus that it's getting, which leads me into why overtraining affects our sleep. Because if I just described you either pushing more or giving up, then the chances are pretty high that you have the potential of being on the brink of an injury, burnout, or emotional crash. And it's my hope that this podcast will put a pebble in your shoe and maybe prevent these things for you. So you may be wondering, what exactly is overtraining? And how do I know if I'm overtraining or not? How do I know this is relevant to me? And that's exactly why I'll be starting off with a clear definition of what overtraining actually is. Now, before you start thinking this is by no means me, hear me out. Overtraining isn't about how hard you're training. It isn't about how often you work out or even about how much weight you're actually lifting. Overtrain can happening to anyone, regardless of these things. Overtraining is simply put as overreaching of our work from our rest. It's the scales being tipped too far on one side, kind of like a seesaw at the playground that has a dad on one side and a kid on the other. We know which way it's going to tip, right? And here's why this can happen to anyone. We can all outwork our rest. 
Because work doesn't just include the sets and reps or the miles that you do. It includes the stress that you're feeling from finances, the emotional toil that you're having with your friend, and the hunger that your body is feeling on a daily basis if you're skipping lunch. Our body doesn't know the difference because stress is stress. It processes stress from these things all the same. And what many women forget about stress is that it's cumulative. What happened to you last week will pile onto the stress of this week. It's kind of like a bucket that's being filled up with a bunch of different faucets. The more faucets that are turned on and the higher rate of the flow, the faster the bucket will fill up, right? And when the bucket does fill up, it's typically the weakest link that will break and show up in your body in a few different ways. So here's a few signs that your body may be telling you that is overtraining or underresting. The first is fatigue. And with this, I don't mean the three o'clock yawns that happen sometimes. I mean, you wake up tired. You go to bed and you're exhausted, but you can't sleep. You get home at the end of the day and you can't stand the thought of making dinner because your energy is just shot. I mean, the kind of fatigue that shows up day after day and makes your workout seem daunting. This is the first sign. So fatigue, and I mean that daunting level of fatigue. Second is poor sleep quality. If you're noticing that you're always getting up to pee in the middle of the night, that is not normal. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you just had too much water before bed. See, getting up to pee is actually a sign that your body isn't able to fully shift and shut down into a resting mode. Because why would it? It thinks it's not safe. If we're stuck in that flight or stress state, maybe we can just lay in bed wide awake for hours and can't get to sleep. This is a sign that your body is overworked and underrested. Or in other words, you have tipped the scales too far on the stress and under on the rest. The third is constant soreness. Listen, it's completely normal to be sore after a tough training session. I've been there. <laughs> you gotta love it, right? But it's not normal, however, to be sore for days after your training session. If you're noticing that your body is sore for more than two days after your workout, chances are you've hit the limit. Your body isn't recovering. Maybe it doesn't have sufficient hydration or sufficient energy to rebuild and repair those muscles so the repair process is slowed down. It might be a sign it's time to reassess. Fourth is not feeling joy. This is the fourth one. And I don't mean that you've just lost the spring in your step. I mean that you're looking down more than you're looking up. That things that used to make you so happy now seem dull. Going back to my college story, I used to get so much joy from my runs. But once I piled down on my workload and added in extra activities and I started taking hours away from my sleep, I started to notice that I was dreading my runs and just doing them out of duty. I didn't notice the sun shining or the birds chirping. I just put my head down and ran and eventually it caught up with me. It's that lack of joy. It's almost like there's a cloud looming over you all the time and you don't know why. Now, I want to separate this out. I'm obviously not a clinical psychologist. And so if you are experiencing any type of depression or that feeling of a cloud, it might not be from overtraining. It might mean that you need to see a psychologist or a counselor. And I'm a big fan of that. Now, moving on to the fifth which is an elevated resting heart rate or a racing heartbeat. 
If you have a fitness tracker of any kind, I want you to notice how your resting heart rate changes after your heaviest training days. Maybe you'll notice that it spikes up a bit on the night that you train. And that's because your body is busy bringing fresh blood flow to your working muscles so that they can repair, so they can get stronger. Because with every workout that we do, we are literally causing micro tears to our muscles. And in order for that muscle to come back stronger, those tears have to be repaired. But when we're not getting the sleep that we need or pushing our workouts too hard or too often, our system just can't keep up. And as a result, our heart rate remains elevated. And if you're not aware, having a higher heart rate means that your body is working harder than it needs to. And as a result, your system is more susceptible to heart disease, obesity, and sickness, which is not a good thing, right? Moving on to number six is a decrease in your performance. Maybe no matter how hard you try, you're just not seeing your lifts get better. And I don't necessarily mean slow progress. I mean no progress or regression. Maybe you're lifting less now than you ever have. And it's not because you're working on your form or trying to do things right. It's because things just feel heavy all the time and they never feel lighter. If you feel like your body is not showing up, there's something wrong there. And your body is trying to tell you in the nicest way possible. So noticing that decrease in your performance is definitely a sign. These six subtle signs are your body's way of speaking to you because your body doesn't have a voice or words to use on its own. And these signals are all it has. And it will continue to make them louder and louder and louder until you hear it. So even if you're noticing these things just slightly, maybe it's like a whisper of fatigue. Maybe it's every couple of nights you're getting up to pee. I'd highly recommend listening to your body when it's whispering rather than wait until it's yelling at you. It's much better and easier to take care of because these signals in our body is how God gifted us to protect our body. He knew that we're kind of prone to wander. And I think because he knows that we're prone to wander and prone to overdo it, especially as women, I think that God gave us these signals. God gave us these ways to communicate with our body and our bodies communicate with us so that we wouldn't burn out because he knows that he has things for us to do. Now, you may be asking, what if I notice some of these symptoms? What are some of the things I can do to make sure I'm not overtraining my system or I'm getting that seesaw to tip back to balance? I'm going to give you three really simple practical strategies that I've used and seen an incredible difference in my clients' lives. It's these three changes that have allowed my clients to see some of the best results, even in the midst of extremely busy seasons of life. Okay, are you ready? Grab your pens, grab your paper. Number one, perform a training audit. It's better to assess than to guess. You may be thinking, there's no way that I'm overtraining. There's no way I'm doing fine. You never know unless you write out how many times a week your training. Replace your feeling with a fact because it is so important that you see on paper how often you're training. This should include your runs, your lifts, any classes that you're doing, any type of programmed exercise that is potentially asking your body to recover from it. And if you find that you're not giving your body at least two, at least two days off per week, 
where you are just going for a leisurely walk or doing the lightest amount of foam rolling or stretching, then you can bet your ponytail that you're asking too much of your body. I want you to write down exactly how much and how often you're working out. This is the first place to start, to do an honest check of your training. Do the training audit. Okay, number two, implement Amish hour. If you haven't seen this on my Instagram stories, that's likely because I've been doing Amish hour and not telling people about it. But my husband and I have been practicing Amish hour for the last two to three years. And I first heard about Amish hour from a coach who specialized in training high level business owners how to be more focused and energized at work. He implemented a few simple rules for the hour leading up to your bedtime. And it's been incredibly effective at improving sleep quality and how you feel first thing in the morning. So if you want to sleep deeply and wake up feeling refreshed, here's what I recommend. Amish hour, one-on-one. Set an alarm to go off one hour before you want to go to sleep. So calculate how you want to get your eight hours of sleep to wake up in the morning so you have time to get ready for the day, do the things that you need to do, and make sure that you're still getting those eight hours of sleep. Set an alarm one hour before you want to go to sleep. After turning off the alarm, put your phone on the charger. Disconnect from all technology. This includes TV, iPads, laptops, any type of screen that requires electricity. And here's why. The blue light emitted from these screens is the same light that our mind detects from the sunrise in the morning. It's a beautiful circadian rhythm that our body has been designed with. It's that same light that God designed to stimulate activity in our brain that starts a cascade of hormonal effects that help us wake up and get going. It's why when you first roll out of bed, you feel kind of groggy, but then the more you get moving and as the sun starts to come up, the more awake you feel. And the last thing that we want before bed is to feel awake, alert, and alive. It's time to close it down. So after that alarm goes off, it doesn't matter how the day was, who you didn't get back to, or how much you want to scroll or shop on Amazon, just accept the beautiful fact that the day is done and it can wait until tomorrow. I promise it can wait until tomorrow. Now, the most critical part of Amish hour is establishing your replacement for screens. Because if you don't establish a replacement, you're going to get a little antsy, potentially feel bored because your brain is used to being stimulated at that time. So this is now your hour to do those things that you longed for during the day. Maybe it's finally getting around to reading that book or writing a book or coloring. Maybe it's painting. Whatever sparks joy for you and doesn't require electricity, do it during that hour. That hour is typically when I am tidying up any things in the kitchen, tying up any loose ends, and I'm reading a book, something fun, something light, something that is not heavy before bed. And finally, the last element is to also replace the blue light with a red light. So red light is the same type of light that is emitted from fire, and it has a calming effect on our central nervous system. There's a reason why it's so easy to get sleepy sitting around a campfire, and it's not the great conversations or sugar crash from s'mores. Light one of your favorite candles, or maybe buy an amber-colored light bulb for your bedroom. You can find them on Amazon. They're super cheap, and they emit the same red light that you do from candles. Is the Amish hour an end-all be-all for better sleep? No. 
Some of you have children. Some of you have other things that might be pulling you away. But is it a proven method that has worked for hundreds of years for both men and women to prepare your body for better sleep? Yes, it is. So even if you're not able to implement an entire Amish hour, maybe it's an Amish 15 minutes. Maybe it's an Amish 20 minutes. Whatever it is, try to implement removing technology and implementing a type of resting activity, whether that's reading, drawing. This is incredibly effective. And if you're open to it, give it a shot. Heck, what do you have to lose? Finally, number three, and I say this with a lot of love, but you need to go out and live your life if you're struggling with overtraining. Your body was never meant to be the source of your happiness and beating it to the ground with workout after workout won't give you the body that you want, especially if your goal is to have more energy, build muscle and feel better in your skin. There's a sense of surrender that I had to learn in college when that took me letting go of the expectations for my body that I had, what I expected it to be able to handle, what I expected it to look like, and what I expected to be able to do for me. I realized that I had so much shame that was piled up when I realized I wasn't able to live up to those unrealistic superwoman standards, and I beat myself up about it for years. Until I realized that changing my life was actually quite simple. I needed to let go of control and trust God's plan for my body, for my life, and for my health. And that was way better than my plan. And those innate signals that God gave me and my body was sending my way, trying to tell me that I was an idiot and I was doing the wrong thing, I was worshiping something that my body wasn't designed to worship. The idol of affirmation of man, the idol of wisdom, the idol of knowledge, the idol of approval. So if you struggle to always feel like you just need to do more workouts, I get it. If you feel like you need to always train harder, I get it. If you feel like you need to grind out your reps, just know that I get you. I've been there and I know the feeling and pressure that you're putting on yourself, but that's just it. I did that to myself and you're doing it to yourself and that's just not nice. See, compassion isn't just something that we need to give other people. It's something that we need to have for ourselves. And sometimes that compassion looks like recognizing an unrealistic expectation and choosing not to believe it as truth. Sometimes the kindest thing you can do for yourself is to say no and to say yes to something better. In fact, Jesus had a lot to say about letting go of control when he was here on earth. In Matthew, Jesus tells the people that looking for your life here on earth will just get you lost. But when you let go of your life here on earth, you'll actually find it. And it's this beautiful paradox that the more we can let go of, the more God can fill us with a much bigger purpose. And it's not until we let go of our white knuckle grip, ask for some help, get accountability, and make a 180 degree turn that that change can happen. So to tie this up with a big old bowl, sleep is a vital component to your health. Your body's recovery is dependent on it. And because of that, when we overtrain, our body isn't able to function to its full potential. And there are several practical ways that you can tell if you're overtraining, including monitoring your energy, looking at your sleep, checking in on your muscle soreness, how long it's lasting, and to see if you're making progress in your training. 
And while there's no one-size-fits-all approach to counter-overtraining, there are, however, three proven strategies that can help you find the balance, tip the scales between your work and rest, so you can see better results from doing less but better workouts. Things like doing a training audit to know how often you're actually working out versus resting. Implementing that wonderful Amish hour or half hour by setting an alarm an hour before bed, unplugging from electronics, or making sure you're living life finally as it was meant to be lived. Fully engaged. Do not let fitness become your idol. Do not let it rule your life. I can tell you it sucks. And you don't have to do it. Because ladies, the world needs you. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your compadres, they need you to be invested in their lives. They need you to be fully present. They want you to be fully present with the gifts and the unique talents that God has blessed you with so that you can make much of Jesus in your life. That is the point. That is what fitness allows us to do. So we can show other people his love. And we can do that best when our body is rested and recharged. So I'm going to go take a nap. And that's a wrap on today's episode. And if you found this podcast helpful, it would literally make my day. If you would leave me a review or share the Her True Strength podcast with your friends, check us out on the Instagram. Give us a follow at truestrengthcollective.com. Until next time, friends, all the love, Coach Laura.